What's up, podcast? Welcome back to another episode of Public Speaking Tips on the Public Speaker Podcast. In today's episode, we are going over utilitarianism versus deontology, which is one of the philosophical schools of thought uh, that I talk about in terms of understanding public speaking for in terms of understanding philosophy for public speaking. Um, now, this is a really nuanced one. This is a little bit more advanced than individualism versus collectivism or uh, progressivism versus conservatism because it goes a little bit more deeper into the, the philosophical world. But nonetheless, I think I would definitely listen to it because it is very, very interesting. And you can check out the YouTube video if you want to get an interactive document that will help you um, understand a little bit more. But Util versus Dayan is a philosophical debate that is happening for a very long time. We see it everywhere from politics to business to culture um, and it's an interesting interesting debate and it's super cool once you understand some of the main premises of uh, in both philosophies and it'll really make your public speeches better if you know how to incorporate them so without further ado let's get into the tip so what is utilitarianism and deontology so the first thing i'll go over is utilitarianism utilitarianism is a philosophy that is basically defined as trying to achieve the greater good for the greatest amount of people so when you think of a utilitarian ethic or a utilitarian school of thought, a lot of the times you're thinking of what action can we take that maximizes some type of good that will occur in a society. Um, a lot of times this philosophy can be manipulated to justify a lot of different sort of things, but at its core, the philosophy thinks that consequences of an action come prior to the action itself which means like the intent of the action doesn't matter as much as what the action produces as a consequence. Utilitarianism believes that everyone has equal worth. So the measure to determine someone's equal worth would be through the use of a metric called a utile. So everyone has the same number of utiles. So if I'm worth five utiles, you're also worth five utiles. So is the other person on the street that's also worth five utiles. Now, the reason it's important that everyone is worth the same number of utiles or has the same intrinsic worth is because that justifies what one of the core tenets of this philosophical theory is, which is that you can sacrifice one person to save XYZ number of people if those people outweigh the other person numerically. So for example, if I'm worth five and you're worth five and you have a friend who's worth five, five is obviously less than 10, which is why this philosophy would justify it. You can kill one or sacrifice one in order to save two because one is less than two, five is less than 10. So that's why this philosophy really looks to the consequences of an action and then determines its moral worth based upon what it produces. So if it saves one but kills two because that's not producing the greater good for the greatest amount of people, that action is therefore immoral. Morality is the difference between good and bad, and ethics is the way to achieve the good or the bad. So utilitarianism is just a form of ethics that determines what is good and what is bad. And based upon the theory, if you were to save one over two, that would be bad based upon the fact that it doesn't have a lot of value in the context of uh, a utilitarian greater good. So this is super important for communication and argumentation and public speaking because uh, a lot of the speeches or the, the arguments that we have in society are primarily based, not primarily, but in a large part based upon governmental actions and what should a government do. And governments, if you think about them, are kind of intrinsically utilitarian, right? Because the government at the end of the day is trying to achieve the greatest good for a society, which means the government's intention, right? Maybe that's not in its practical uh, application is to try to make sure that a society is better well off through the po political legislation and the policies that it passes um, not solely focused on an individual, but more so focused on a collective good. So when you th see uh, arguments for like uh, universal health care, 
or when you see arguments for like raising taxes, those are more in line with a utilitarian principle because it's going to produce a greater good. But you can also see reasons on the other side, right? The reason why we would raise taxes would be that there's more money going to the government, which means the government can distribute that money across different channels, which would be utilitarian in one sense. Uh, then you have like a more uh, libertarian argument that says that governments should not increase taxes because if you increase taxes, people are not going to uh, people are not going to have any incentive to work, so when you decrease taxes, there's going to be more jobs and money will be trickled down, which is then the greatest good for the greatest amount of people. Not taking a position on which side is right or wrong, but rather understanding that utilitarianism can be a philosophical theory that justifies both sides of these arguments, which is super, super important when you're giving a public speech or when you're making an argument or when you're communicating a message, because that basic philosophical theory that we need to go for the greatest good for the greatest amount of people underlies the foundation behind the argument that you're actually making. So next we have deontology. Um, so now deontology is a very important philosophy and you know I could go on for this for a long time but there's a lot of articles you can read online about it. Um, deontology is a philosophy that prioritizes duty-based ethics. Yes, I know I said duty, it's, it's okay. Um, so duty-based ethics are ethics that align with the specific duties that someone has to uh, intake or like rights that someone has. So when you're being deontological, you're following specific rules that ground your moral reasoning for how you can be ethical in a society. In utilitarianism, the ends justify the means. So the end is the end of an action. So if I need to do XYZ, uh, but I need to do something bad in order to get it done, if what I'm getting done is for the greater good, then I can do something bad in the short term in order to achieve something good in the long term. The ends justify the means. For deontology, it's a lot more different. You never recognize uh, the ability to do something bad in order for a greater cause at the end because that lets us understand consequences that can manipulate the way we understand ethics. So deontology fundamentally disagrees with this. Deontology believes that the reason you can't sacrifice one to save two is because every human being has autonomy, has agency, and is rational which means every single human being uh, is an end in and of themselves. So when you're an end in and, of them, in and of yourself, that simply means that you have a sort of like divine aspect of, you, of who you are that cannot be sacrificed for something else because that would be violating the fact that you have human agency. That human agency precedes the ability to understand consequences or the ability to understand something is wrong solely based on its consequential uh, aspect because that is not where ethics comes from. Ethics is more intrinsic into the philosophy. An action is either intrinsically good or bad based upon a deontological capitalist, based upon the rules that you have to follow versus judging the action after it happens and then looking towards its consequences. So one of the main uh, founders of deontology is someone named Immanuel Kant. Uh, and Immanuel Kant wrote a book that I'm not sure if I'm quoting correctly, but it's called Groundwork for the Metaphysics of Morals. I believe that's the right uh, title of the book. And the book was groundbreaking and enlightening at the time because uh, it said that morality is not based upon the actions that we commit, but rather the intrinsic worth of those actions. So in a nutshell, Immanuel Kant believed that there are certain rules that can never be violated that are universal. And if there is a universal code of ethics that everyone aligns themselves by, that is when we know something is moral. So if I can take an action and I can universalize it and it doesn't violate some fundamental principles that you can research the ontology and you'll find out. But one of those core fundamental principles is not violating human agency, then that action is 
moral. So if I kill somebody, uh, if I universalize what would the world be like if everyone killed people, because that's violating one of the core tenets of this philosophy of uh, the moral rules that you should violate people's agency, killing someone violates your agency because it takes away your autonomy because it like kills you, uh, which means it is bad. Which means killing is not bad because of uh, the fact that I kill you, your mom is going to be sad, or something's going to happen in your life, or like some consequence is going to happen. Killing is bad because the act of killing intrinsically takes away someone's autonomy, which is why morally and ethically killing is bad. So to see the unique difference between deontology and utilitarianism, if I can kill one to save two, it's justified under util. But in deontology, killing one already in and of itself is problematic because that violates human agency. So both of them take radically different views on what is the basis for how we understand morality and how we understand ethics in the context of uh, universal principles. Another concept that's important in deontology is uh, the concept of metaphysics. So this is like a thought experiment we can do, um, which is based upon uh, Plato's theory of forms that I think applies here as well. So uh, if I were to tell you to think of an apple, uh, you're probably thinking of an apple right now. So now I can tell you to think of a rotten apple. And now you're probably thinking of a rotten apple, uh, probably an apple that has like a lot of brown marks on it. And now I'll, uh, I can tell you to think of a green apple. So now you're thinking of a potential green apple. The apple that you're thinking of ultimately takes on different forms, but the appleness of the apple doesn't necessarily change. Meaning even if you think of an apple that is normal, rotten, or green, you're still thinking of the concept of an apple, but it's taking on different forms. Another example is if I said, think of a laptop, think of a Dell, think of a Mac. At the end of the day, they still, they still have the same purposes. You open them up and you can type in them and you can do whatever you want, um, but they have different forms. But the laptop-ness, the intrinsic idea, the concept of a laptop is stable, whereas the form becomes a little bit different. This is a quick way to think of a concept of metaphysics, right? So metaphysics is the uh, idea of something as it exists beyond the concept or the, the, the object or action itself. So in the context of deontology, this uh, philosophy is grounded through the concept of metaphysics, which is why it was so important at the time, or so groundbreaking. Because if we can justify an action based upon the intent of the action and the idea of the action versus the consequence of the action or object itself, then we can have a moral philosophy that is grounded through a metaphysical approach, which is a lot different than a lot of other moral philosophical theories that uh, are based in like the consequences of an action or something happening in the physical material world. So metaphysics is central to deontology because deontology believes that if we can justify something metaphysically and it doesn't violate the principles that we talked about before, then that always comes intrinsic to the idea of something. It comes beyond the concept of its physical nature, which makes it so much more valuable because it can't be violated at that level. So now it's time for the interactive part of the activity. There is a document in the description that you can download for free that has the answers to the question that I'm about to ask. But before you download that document, you want to sort of think about these questions a little bit more uh, to get help with the concepts that we talk about in the video. So the first scenario for util versus deontology uh, is a scenario in which you have the ability to kill a terrorist who you know is going to kill a lot of people. So that terrorist is going to commit harm to a lot of people and that would be really bad. Uh, what would the utilitarian or the deontologist do in this situation? So the situation is just as I said it was. There's a terrorist and they have the intention to kill a lot of people and you have the ability to stop it. The question is from a utilitarian perspective, do you take that action? Do you get rid of that terrorist, which would require sacrificing that terrorist in order for to stop future pain? 
Or from a deontological perspective, would you not kill that terrorist? So what is the answer to that question and what steps would a utilitarian or, deontolog or deontologist think about before effectively answering that question? The things you want to think about here uh, are, are primarily centered around why and how a utilitarian or a deontologist would dictate their actions towards receiving some end goal, whether that's saving people or whether that's not violating human dignity, and then work your way backwards to thinking what they should do in the present day in order to achieve that end goal.